Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. Eric is absent this week, so I am flying solo. But all of you Eric fans out there, do not worry. His sexy voice will be back next week. So I'm really interested in this guest that I'm bringing on tonight. He's an a doctor, actually. And uh, he's got a, a lot of great stories to tell, so I'm just going to get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at FringeRadioNetwork.com as well as ParatruthRadio.com, let's get ready to expose some lies. Now Paratruth presents Miraculous Medical Miracles with special guest, Dr. Scott Kolbaba. Many people have speculated about what happens when you have out-of-body experiences and medical mi- uh, miracles. Today, I have on Dr. Scott Kolbaba, a practicing physician in Wheaton, Illinois. He completed his residency at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and he has come out with a book called Physicians Untold Stories. All right, Dr. Kolbaba, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you doing tonight? Good, Justin. All right, so the first thing I wanted to ask you is... uh what made you decide to come out with this book, Physicians of Untold Stories? I think it was because I had a number of unusual experiences myself. And then, for some reason, uh, doctors started coming to me with their stories of unusual experiences. And, I, you know, we never talk about this kind of stuff. Doctors talk about potassiums and gallbladders <laughs> and, you know, what their schedule is for the next day and how the government's taking over medicine and all these kinds of crazy things. But we never talk about these deep spiritual experiences. And I even had one doctor uh, over the last couple of days say, um, you sure you want to still do this? Uh, we're not supposed to talk about this stuff. And I said, you know, sure we are. We're, this gives people hope and and, and uh, uh, gives people encouragement to go on and, and uh, that there's something else in the world. So, so uh, after a couple of my experiences and then hearing some of the other doctors, I thought maybe I should write some of these things down. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'm, I'm just the ordinary doc. I see 
all the ordinary stuff in the office, uh, the exciting stuff like you see on the TV shows, uh, you know, uh, I see diarrhea and sore throats and, and all the routine kinds of things that you, you know, you see in a day to day practice. And I, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I enjoy seeing that. So I'm not an author. So I didn't know what, to, what to do with, with all these stories I was getting. So I, I, I talked to one of my patients who was a public publisher. And I said, can I meet you for lunch and talk about some of these stories? So I met him for lunch and I started telling him some of these stories and uh, I was eating and wasn't paying much attention to what he's doing. Then I suddenly realized he stopped eating and I looked up and there he had tears in his eyes. And I said to myself, uh, I've got a, you know, if he, if I can move a publisher of a major publishing house, then I, I've got to write these stories down. And he said the same thing. You've got to write these down and, and get them out because no one talks about these and these are incredible stories from, from doctors. So that's kind of a long long uh, answer to, to a simple question about how I get start, got started. Well, one thing that actually had occurred to me was, you know, in, in academia going through your doctorate, are you taught not to really – incorporate any type of spiritual or religious beliefs in it and just stick with the medical facts or are you are you told to suppress those kinds of things when you come across uh, them we're really we're really not we it's just pretty much a silent thing uh you learn all the, the scientific stuff and no one ever mentions the spiritual end of medicine so it's not it's not a, a thing we're taught it's kind of an unwritten code that if you if you talk about some of these spiritual things, people will think you're crazy. Mm. As a matter of fact, the first doctors uh, that I talked with asked me not to tell anyone because I said, well, you know, why not? And they said, well, I don't I don't want to have my patients think I'm crazy, and not want to come to see me because I'm saying these uh, you know these bizarre, incredible stories. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, there's no written code, but I think people have been sensitized uh, about, you know, feeling like others will criticize them, which has not been the case in our in my book at all. Well, and I, I think that's the just this day and age too. I mean, a lot of people dismiss the spiritual, especially when it comes to medical stuff. So. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So, but um, you know what's, what's very interesting, Justin, is in, in the office. I love to tell stories to my patients, and I so I, I'm, I'm commonly being late in the office telling oh. stories. <laughs> and what's interesting to me is that after I tell them a story, one of these interesting doctor stories, invariably they will have a story of their own, and they'll tell it back to me that happened to them that they haven't been telling anyone, or a family story of a similar kind of uh, unusual. Uh, experience. And so it, it's fun to, to, to do that. And, and I think it allows them uh, the uh, ability to realize that they're not going to be criticized either for coming out with this story. And so they feel more free about, about te- relating it uh, to mm-hmm. me, which has been fun. So some of the stories that you came across, um, I would assume a lot of them would have to do with probably out-of-body experiences and that sort of thing, or was it kind of a mixture of different ones? It was an inc- incredible mixture. Uh, I had a, just a couple out of body experiences, a couple miracle cures. The rest were a whole gamut of all kinds of different experiences that doctors had that you can't explain scientifically. And when I when I asked the doctors for stories, because early on in this, after I got a couple stories and met with my publisher, <clears throat> I, I committed myself to writing a book. So I, I announced to doctors, I'm writing a book. And that way, I knew I would be very embarrassed if I didn't ultimately write the book. 
And so, and, and then I'd ask them, do you have any stories that you can't explain scientifically? And, um, many would come out with, with, uh, you know, some, some interesting stories. And the stories that I picked, uh, had to either give me goosebumps or make me come to tears over, over emotion. And if, if, if the story did that, that would be the story I would pick. And like I said, there's a whole gamut of all kinds of different stories that are stories about prayer, stories about um, vision, stories about dreams, out-of-body experiences. It's a it's an amazing uh, potpourri of of various different stories that uh, I think uh, ended up being pretty interesting because of the variety. Yeah, uh, a friend of ours, the the of Paratruth, uh, John. Mallard, he's actually a podcaster as well, and he was on our show talking about how his father actually cured himself of cancer just with the power of prayer. And I thought about that, and it's like I, I almost wonder how many people have actually done that, but then didn't say anything because they felt that you know to, they should talk to their doctors, but not tell their doctors because their doctors would say, "Well, you should do treatment as well." Well, there are a lot of doctors that that were personally cured by the power of prayer. Let me let me tell you about one. Is okay. uh, the ophthalmologist locally? Uh, he's the chairman of the board of Wheaton College, a local college that's very prominent. And um, he tells me a story of when he was a younger uh, boy. He was playing soccer uh, at um, in his high school, and he was kicked in the kidney by a or the kicked in the flank, and it ended up rupturing his kidney by a, a forward. Okay. And he was playing goalie. He was taken to the hospital. Uh, there, he was in excruciating pain. Uh, they were uh, because he was urinating blood the whole time and in so much pain. They decided to, to remove his kidney. Well, he didn't know this, and this was on a Friday that they made that decision. They were going to remove his kidney on a Monday. And the accident happened on Tuesday, and he told me that he was in such pain he really couldn't do much of anything. He couldn't even watch TV. He was in such excruciating pain, and then one. And on the Friday, uh, when they made the decision to remove his kidney, he was watching the clock because he just couldn't do much of anything else. And he was watching 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock exactly, he started to move a little bit and noticed that there wasn't any pain. He was almost afraid to make any more movements because he thought the pain would come back. But he he he, gave, he, he did the he, he, he did the extreme, and that is he sat up and then he got out of bed. There was absolutely no pain whatsoever. The pain was totally gone. He went to the bathroom. There was no blood in his urine anymore. He was totally fine. The next day, the urologist came in, dis- discharged from the hospital. He went home, he recovered at home for about a week, and then uh, went back to school. When he saw one of his teachers, one of his favorite teachers, the teacher said to him, you know, David, we were very, very worried about you. We were concerned that we understood that you were about ready to lose your kidney. And so we decided on Friday to have a faculty prayer for you. And David said, well, what time did you do that? And he said, well, that was at passing hour, uh, which is 10 o'clock. Wow. So at 10 o'clock, they said a faculty prayer that he would be healed. At 10 o'clock exactly, his pain disappeared and he was fine. He subsequently had x-rays of his kidneys, which showed a little bit of a scar, but nothing uh, else. He was perfectly fine. So I think there was something to that. It was just, or, or an unusual coincidence. They said the prayer at 10 o'clock and his pain totally disappeared at 10 o'clock. That's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, for the out of body experiences, cause these ones kind of really fascinate me as well. Um, 
in all, any of the ones that you came across, were any of these people close to death or were, is, was it more like an accident type of thing where they died on the operation table and came back or? Uh, the one, uh, that was the, the, that moved me the most was one where a person was on, in, in the OR and they were having an operation and they were given, uh, an antibiotic that they, 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 uh, had an anaphylactic reaction to. Okay. And they arrested on the, on the table. And this was Mary and Dr. Mokel was the doctor who was attending the, 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 um, uh, patient. It's interesting that well, this was one of the first stories I, I, I heard. And it was interesting how it was told to me. I was on the floor making rounds, and Dr. Mokel ran up to me and grabbed my arm and said, Scott, I've got this incredible story to tell you about a mutual patient. And I said, okay, tell it to me. He said, well, I can't tell it to you here. Someone might hear me. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> let's go to empty patient rooms. We went in the room. We closed the door. And he said, you know, I, I want to tell you about Mary, your, your patient. And, and I was I going to perform a, an ankle surgery on her. She arrested on the, on the table. We called the code. Everyone rushed in from the rooms around to try to help out. And one of the people that rushed in was a tech that had unusually red hair that underneath his operating room cap, and he started to do CPR. Well, he wasn't doing CPR adequately enough. That wasn't getting a pulse, so I asked him to step aside so I could take over, Dr. Mokel told me. And he didn't step aside, and he asked him a couple more times, and, and codes are not polite events. Co- codes are life and death. Dr. Mokel was in charge. He had to make sure that things were done right to save her life. So he, he literally pushed this tech aside, and he stumbled away, and Dr. Mokel started to do the CPR then. And with a couple drug, intravenous drugs and a few other things, she came around, but not to consciousness. Her heart started, and she, she came back to life. Okay. The next day, the cardiologist took, you know, were taking care of her, and, and she woke up the next day. But before that, she was totally flatlined, no pulse, no respirations, eyes closed. And when she was about ready to leave the hospital after they figured out it was the antibiotic that caused her arrest and nothing more than that, she said to Dr. Mokel, thank you for, for taking good care of me and thank you for saving my life. And Dr. Mokel's a pretty humble guy and he said it was just a team effort. Everyone pitched in and, and, you know, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. And she said, no, no, I saw you push that guy with the red hair aside and I saw you take over the CPR and give me some epinephrine and a few other things, and that's what got me going again. And Dr. Mokel, by this point, was a little bit taken back because he didn't, he was trying to figure out how this happened scientifically, and he couldn't, he couldn't make any sense out of it scientifically, because nothing like this had ever happened before to him. And he sat down, and, and she said, I saw you page Dr. Kolbaba, although I wasn't in the hospital, he paged me hoping that I would come and help out with the code. Okay. She mentioned a dozen other little minutia of things that happened and what the people were dressed like and so forth that uh, no one could have known unless they were actually there. And he said, well, how did this happen? And, and he, she said, when I arrested, I, I, my spirit or something rose up to the top of the room and I could see everything that was happening to me. And while I was there, my grandmother came to me, who had been dead for a number of years, and told me it wasn't my time to go, that I would have to come back, but that if I was a good and kind person, I would have a, that the grandmother would save a place for her, a special place in heaven for her. And then she came back to, to life, basically, after her heart started and, and everything disappeared. And so, uh, it's interesting that, uh, Mary, after her arrest, became the nicest, kindest person in the world. Before that, she was never happy with any of us or anything that we did. She was kind of a curmudgeon, and you'd hate to see Mary come in the office because you know she'd have some complaint. Why can't you? Know, why are you late today? Or you know, why can't you make my whatever better? Or these kinds of things. But afterwards, 
she was a delightful person. And I, and I named that story Mary's Christmas Carol because it was like Scrooge having gone through the, the evening of, of the spirits. She totally changed and was a wonderful person for many, many years afterwards and helped her widowed father and, and was a, was fun to have in the office anytime she came in the office. That's rather interesting because I have actually heard a couple of stories where people have had out-of-body experiences and when they're brought back, it's changed them to be almost a completely different person altogether, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that uh, I, I would think of is, you know, skeptics would point out that maybe she was hearing things even though she was flatlining, maybe her brain was still processing stuff. What What would you say to the skeptics that would say there has to be something science could say that would prove that this isn't just a spiritual happening? <laughs> You know, Justin, I think some out-of-body experiences are those kinds of things where people may be conscious or hear things and so forth. So I think there are there there are some cases like that, but there are some cases, uh, and I think quite a few, where there really is something with, that people come away with, where they would have no way of knowing some some of the things that, that they learned about rel- dead relatives or right. uh, about some of the, the again the minutia. Mokul was just blown away by the minutia of things that she mentioned that she she could not have heard because she witnessed some of the things that 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 had happened. Like Mokul, for example, when he after he paged me, looked multiple times at the at the door looking for me to come in and help him out because you know orthopedic surgeons like internists to handle codes more than they do. So oh. he kept hoping that I would show up and kept looking at the door. So things like that make me think that this is this is not just a a coincidence or, a, 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 you know, a, a, a case where she could hear things but not process them and so forth at the time. But I think some of the, some of the out-of-body experiences probably are that. They probably are things where people have been partially conscious and, and not so much a spiritual thing. But I'm convinced there are some uh, out-of-body experiences that are that are quite significant and quite spiritual. Okay. So a couple of the other stories that I saw in here were – one of them was about a doctor who had a, a inkling or feeling about a patient and acted on it. Um, can you tell us about a couple of stories or your favorite story about something like that that happened? Sure, sure. Uh, one of my favorites is Rich Jorgensen, who is an, uh, a general surgeon. And uh, Rich uh, uh, had a good friend, a, a judge. And uh, one night he had a dream about the judge, and the dream was that he uh, he had died, and the dream was that he saw him in the coffin in a funeral home, and it was a very vivid dream. And you know when you when you have a dream, usually when I have a dream, and I don't dream that much anymore, you wake up in the morning, you remember the dream a little bit, and then you kind of forget about it, and you go through your day. Right. This was a vivid dream, and he just couldn't get it out of his out of his mind. And he had an experience about a month or two before talking to someone who was kind of a hippie type. And, and he said, uh, she said to him, you know, when you have a dream uh, about someone else, the earth spirit is talking to you and you need to tell that person your dream. So Rich kept that in his mind and wasn't much of a dreamer. But this was a so, so vivid that after the workday, which he kind of stumbled through because he was just so shaken by this dream, he called his friend. Uh, Judge Glassell, and he said, Judge, I had this dream about you, and I dreamt that you were dead. <laughs> and the judge laughed, 
and he didn't quite know what to say. <laughs> and Rich said, you know, can you just humor me? Can you just get a physical and and make me happy that you that you got a physical? Because if something happened to you, I'd never forgive myself. And the judge said, sure, Rich. You know, for you, I haven't had a physical for years. I'm due for one anyway. So he went and had a physical. He had a complete uh, evaluation, EKG, labs, chest X-ray, everything. All was perfectly normal. The doctor said to him, don't listen to this Dr. Jorgensen. He's just a surgeon. He doesn't know what he's talking about and, and, uh, you're perfectly fine. Don't, don't think you're going to die. So when he told Dr. Jorgensen that story, uh, Jorgensen said he still had this feeling that there was something that he had to, had to do because it was such, such a vivid dream. So he said to the judge, I, I know, uh, I'm putting you through a lot, but would you just do me one more favor? Would you see my cardiologist? Because when I had this dream, I dreamt it was a heart attack that, that took your life. And the judge says, do I really have to? And Dr. Jorgensen said, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, uh, please just go see my cardiologist. So he did. He had some testing and a stress test. He failed the stress test badly. Uh, they put him in the hospital for an angiogram. The angiogram was terrible. He had what's called a widowmaker, which is a lesion in the left main coronary artery that's responsible for killing lots of people, and the usual life expectancy is three to six months with that lesion, plus oh, wow. others throughout his heart. He had so many areas that were that were bad that they decided to do a bypass the next day. They wouldn't even let him go to the go home or 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 wait even more than a day. Did a bypass, did perfectly well. Everything went well, and they thanked Rich for, for literally saving his life with his persistence at, at pursuing that, whereas most people, you know, wouldn't persist in, in going that next step. So one of the take-home lessons, I think, from that for me and, and what I hope readers would, would take home from that is if you get an inkling or you get a premonition or something or you get a little hint about something, unless it's really, really out of the realm of sanity, pursue that. Uh, if you if you get this hint that you need to talk with someone or call someone up or send someone a letter or something, do that because that may make a big difference. And there's something that I think um, uses us to to help people in this life. And I and most of the doctors would call it God. Yeah, you can call yeah. it whatever you want, uh, uh, a force or or whatever. But uh, I think that was God's hand in in his life, helping save this uh, judge. Yeah, I would say that was definitely divine intervention for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so out of all the stories that you put in the book, was there anything that touched you more than than the other stories? You know, I there was there was a story that that um, uh, that really touched me. It was um, a story about a young girl that had um, uh, broken her arms. Let me let me back up a little bit first. This is Dr. Mendenhall, who is an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. And uh, he he tells me that he was really down in the dumps uh, and and contemplating his mortality and and you know whether he wanted to go on or not and, and it was really kind of a tough time for him and he was sitting in his office one morning and the nurses all of a sudden brought him in this plaque that had been dropped off anonymously in the office and the plaque had his whole genealogy on it all the relatives and he was at the bottom of the plaque and then all these relatives like a family tree were were uh, above him, okay. and each had a, a birthstone on, on it. It was an incredible plaque. They discovered uh, that the person that dropped it off, uh, although he wanted to remain anonymous, they saw his car and they could recognize who it was. 
And uh, Dr. Mendenhall said he really wasn't that close to this person. He had worked with him a couple times in church, but nothing major. And he must have, you know, been inspired to, to give him this. And Dr. Mendenhall said, this turned my life around. I realized that I was at the bottom of this this tree and all these relatives were relying on me to carry on. And, uh, and he decided to, to, to continue. And he became very much more successful and, and he did, that just changed his life. So uh, that went on, uh, kept on working and, and was very successful. And after a couple of years, he remembers one weekend when um, he had, had been really busy the week before, uh, lots of surgeries, was exhausted on a Saturday, finally was able to turn it over to his partner and uh, take time off, shut off his pager. And he decided to have a, a soda uh, in the doctor's lounge. But for some reason, he thought about some of his patients and walked right past the lounge to his car. Well, he decided, well, maybe I'll stop at the next gas station. I know there's a gas station that has uh, a whole raft of pop, and I'll stop by and get a, a soda pop there. So while he was passing the gas station, he was thinking about something else and passed the gas station and, and didn't turn off. And then he realized, well, I'll, I'll just go home. I've got a whole refrigerator of cold drinks, so I'll just stop stop at home and, and uh, get a cold drink there because I'm off. Then I'll take a nap because I'm exhausted. Well, he has was on the expressway and, and missed his exit home. And he thought, this is really bizarre. I've never done that before. He was thinking about patients, and, and so he missed the exit. But then he remembered there was a hospital that had a wonderful physician's lounge. And physician's lounge, lounges have wonderful things in them like candy and uh, chips and all kinds of wonderful things, donuts and the good things to eat in addition to some fruits and things like that. And so... He decided to stop at this other hospital, and he made the turn, made the turn off, uh, off the expressway, made it to the hospital, and for some reason, he didn't park in the back of the hospital where the physician's lounge was. He decided to park in the front. He'd never done that before, and he walked into the hospital, and all of a sudden, someone came running up to him and, and, and hugged him. It was the daughter of the individual that had given him the plaque uh, a number of years later, and she said, Dr. Mendenhall, thank you for for, for uh, answering our call. We called your wife and we called all around and thank you for, for getting that message and coming to, to visit me. And he said, I never got that message. Uh, and, and she said, my daughter is in the emergency room. She uh, fell off a zip line and broke both forearms. There's two bones in each forearm. She broke four bones, two bones in each of the forearm were mm-hmm. broken. And her hands were just floppy because she, she, she had no, no structure to her forearms. And she said, I knew you were the only one that could fix her because you're so good at, at uh, repair of, of, of broken bones like this. And he was. And, and she said, thank you for, for coming because I knew if we called you, you'd, you'd, you'd come and help out. And he was still in a quandary as to why he didn't turn off on all those exits. And, and there he was entering the hospital in a different ex- entrance than he normally would have entered. He went to look at her and she indeed had, had really uh, badly broken arms. And her mother said she wants to be a concert pianist. That's why we want someone really special to fix her arms because the emergency room doctor said she would never play the piano again. Wow. So Mendenhall took her to surgery. He was exhausted. But before he took her to surgery, he, he first talked to the nurses because this particular hospital was one he never went to before because they didn't, never had the equipment that he needed to fix those kinds of special uh, procedures. Mm-hmm. And the nurse, the head nurse said, oh, Dr. Mendenhall, we decided last week to uh, encourage doctors like you to come to our hospital. So we just ordered some of those special plates and screws that you like, and they were delivered this morning. 
Oh. Well, by this point, Mendenhall realized that he wasn't in charge of the situation, that right. somebody else was leading him, <laughs> and he just wanted to hang on, you know, and he said, okay, even though he was exhausted, he decided to take her to surgery. The surgery went incredibly well. He finished in about half the time that he normally would finish. She had wonderfully, uh, wonderful, good, uh, wonderful results. And uh, then, uh, you know, she ended uh, lots of rehab and, and, and was in rehab for maybe up to two years to, to, to regain her strength and her dexterity and so forth. Mm-hmm. The next thing that Dr. Mendenhall got uh, that touched his heart was, uh, was a, uh, a postcard. And it said, uh, you're cordially invited to the uh, concert given by the, the girl that he, whose bones he had fixed, who was playing in concert in, in the, on the piano. Wow. And uh, Dr. Mendenhall went to the concert and, and said, she played like an angel. And wow. it still uh, makes me a little bit teary when I, when I yeah. think about <laughs> what had happened there. The series of miracles and then uh, uh, the ultimate miracle was him. Uh, being able to fix her arms perfectly. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, if you could t- tell anybody from reading this book, what would you want them to to take away from the book? Even if it was a physician who's reading the book and maybe has a story like this. Sure. Well, I love. I, I'm I'm doing a second book, so if there are any physicians listening, I'd love to have other stories, and they can log into our website, physiciansuntoldstories.com, and give us a little hint of the story, and we can call them up. But, you know, my goal was to collect stories that, that touched my heart. And I wasn't sure exactly what, what the ultimate, uh, goal would be until I put the whole, all the stories together. And I think the, the, the book now, uh, there's a couple take home lessons from the book. One is there's something higher than us. Uh, there's something that loves us unconditionally that participates in our lives. Most of the docs would call it God, but some would just call it a spirit or a force or something. Mm-hmm. But there's something out there that's higher than us. I think that's the, the main uh, take-home lesson from the book. The other things would be that doctors are pretty neat people, and in general, they want to. I call them sappy do-gooders. They want to do good in the world every day. They want to help someone out. I think so. The other take-home lessons are love is a love is an amazing force in the world, and love can overcome amazing things. Uh, the other, some of the other take-home lessons are that prayer is important and significant and may provide some unusual, there may be some unusual answers and answers in, in sometimes spectacular ways. And that coincidences are, are things that we need to pay attention to, that they, are, they may be big or little coincidences, but most coincidences or many coincidences really aren't coincidental, that people are put in our place or we're helped somehow in, in, in gaining uh, our goals or helping with a worthwhile cause in ways that we may not recognize at the time, but we may recognize years later. Mm-hmm. And that the other, the other take home lesson I think is that people that have left the earth, uh, still can be aware of our, what we're, what's going on here and participate in our lives in interesting ways. So in the, in the book, did you come across any where people had talked to dead loved ones, not necessarily had out about the experience or, or anything like that, but had visitations from, from past ones? Yes, uh, there were a number of stories about that and uh, they were really kind of interesting stories. The mo- my most favorite is uh, Grandma O'Hanlon. 
Grandma Hanlon was a, was a lady that was a midwife all of her life. And she came from Ireland when the Irish were fighting over the Protestants and Catholic issues. And she came here, became a midwife, was the spiritual leader of the family. She would deliver babies for people that they couldn't afford to pay her. She'd do it for free. She'd stay with the mother for a number of weeks to help out with the baby. And when she would go into the city, she would frequently bring food for the people that were destitute or, or money or something. And people would laugh at her and say, you know, you're giving money to those people that just buy alcohol with it. And she would say, God wants me to give money to these people to help them out. If they decide to do that, that's their thing. But I, I've done my my job. Well, Grandma Hanlon became old and uh, decided then to to uh, retire and live with um, uh, Dr. Heitzler. And, and um, Dr. Heitzler is a, a, a gynecologist that delivered actually one of our children. Okay. His wife, Joan Heitzler, uh, was the, the granddaughter. So he lived with Joan's mother. And Joan would say, if I can make it to Grandma Hanlon's lap, uh, I would be safe. And <laughs> she got in trouble with her mother. Well, Grandma Hanlon actually saved Joan's life. Uh, that was during the delivery of her fourth child, her fifth child. Uh, Joan was delivering the baby. She did a, uh, a great job with, with the delivery. Everything went well. But afterwards, she began to experience pain when they were doing some of the afterbirth procedures. And so she asked for some pain medication. And in those days, trilene was the drug that they used. They said it's a mask they put over the face. Oh, okay. It makes a person totally unconscious, and then they can proceed with whatever they need to do. So they were about ready to put the mask over Joan's face, when Grandma Hanlon steps in the room, and uh, she's dressed in her little polka dot dress with a sweater vest and her hair up in the bun, and she stood at the foot of Joan's uh, bed, and she said, no, don't don't put that trilene on. She shook her head. Well, no one realized, and so Joan pushed it aside. No one realized that Joan had eaten a large meal right before her delivery, and when she pushed the mask aside about a minute later, she vomited the entire meal. Had she been under uh, anesthesia, unconscious with the mask on her face, she might have aspirated very badly, and that could have been a fatal aspiration mm-hmm. or something very serious. So Joan, uh, Joan's comment was that Grandma Hanlon uh, saved my life again. I made it back to her lap one last time, overcoming time and all in eternity, because Grandma Hanlon had died 22 years before that. Well, last question before I let you go, and it's probably the most important one. Where can everybody find you and find the book? Um, Amazon is the the main publisher for the book. It's available through some of the other outlets uh, online like Barnes & Noble, but the main source would be Amazon. And I'm available through physiciansuntoldstories.com. That's my website. And I'd love to hear stories from other people. We're working on a second book, and... We've got a television series that we're working on right now, too, so we're excited about that. Oh, absolutely. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the show. And once you get that second book out, let us know. We will definitely get you back on. And uh, I hope you have a good night and good luck with the TV series as well. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was Dr. Kolbaba, author of Physicians Untold Stories, Miraculous Experiences Doctors Are Hesitant to Share with Their Patients or Anyone. I have let Dr. Kobaba go, but we are going into the post-show, so stay tuned. We will be right back with Paratruth Radio after this break. 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Hey, para fans, do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to TryLootCrate.com forward slash Paratruth. Again, that's TryLootCrate.com forward slash Paratruth and enter Bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin, and I just got done talking to Dr. Scott Kopava about his book, Physicians Untold Stories. And we covered a, a huge gamut at the beginning of the show about people that have had out-of-body experiences and seeing dead loved ones who actually saved their lives. And, uh, you know, even a divine intervention or two. Looking through a lot of the stuff that I have believed and still believe, I believe that people are having these, these experiences, whether that's at home or in a medical setting. And unfortunately, a lot of people find it, still find it taboo. Doctors are obviously included in that as Dr. Kalbaba was talking about. But if you have the, these amazing experiences, especially if you've have, had these experiences and it has to do with uh, God intervening or angels, even dead loved ones coming to help you, I, I would say share those those stories. That is something to uplift people, and it should not be considered taboo. Uh, you know, there, there are people that do believe that dead loved ones are, that are coming back to see us are demons. I understand that. But when a person, a doctor even, has a premonition that somebody's gonna die and chooses to, to tell them to help themselves, to save them, I feel that that is a message from God and Maybe these dead loved ones are even angels taking the form of dead loved ones because they would react to their, their loved ones better than if they saw an angel, per se, nowadays. So, such an awesome guest. I really loved having him on and discussing these different things because, as Dr. Chikobalva said, not many physicians share these stories because they feel they will be looked at as crazy. And I... I Honestly, don't think that they w- would be, especially today, you would think that people would be more open, but who knows? So I encourage you guys to go get the book, Physicians Untold Stories. And if you have stories, get in contact with Dr. Kobaba 
at physiciansuntoldstories.com, and that will be in the show notes below for you guys to just click on. So that is all on Physicians Untold Stories. As I said at the beginning of the episode, Eric will be back next week. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you guys. Uh, there are some certain things in the work that I'm going to hold off on telling you until I know for sure what's going on, but uh, definitely stay tuned. You will get the update as soon as I have it. Make sure you check out FringeRadioNetwork.com as well as RadioOnPodcast.com, both networks that we are on that have amazing shows that you would just love, I guarantee it. Uh, I, If you guys have not picked up the legendary creature project, The Griffin, my book, definitely check it out on Amazon. Maybe flip through the couple of sample pages that are on there. I would love to... Uh, even hear what you guys have to say about the the sample pages. But if you feel so inclined to read the whole story, I would love for you to purchase either the paperback or the Kindle version. Both are there. And if you go to our website, paratruthradio.com, you can just click on the link to either buy it from Amazon or you can click on the link that I have provided to get an autographed copy as well. And I also encourage you guys to check out Eric's short film, The Revealed, and you can find that on YouTube if you just Google Eric Skurback or The Re- the Revealed, and you'll find it. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you guys this week. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, no matter where you listen. And we would love to hear from you guys. So if you're on paratruthradio.com, just click on the contact link and we would love to hear your comments or if you guys have ideas for episodes for us to do or great guests you would love to hear us talk to, definitely get in contact with us. We're also on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all the social medias. So don't be shy. And, uh, if we do post anything that we are interested in talking to you guys about, we would love to hear your comments in any of the social medias. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network. Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day. Fabulously Delicious, the French Food Podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, 
And every week, I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.